0: I'm Jake Thompson, and this is the Better Than Yesterday podcast. What's up and welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Jake Thompson. I'm your host each and every week at the show and the chief encouragement officer at Compete Every Day. I'm excited you're here this week. Whether it's your first time listening to the show, welcome. If it's your 10th or your 50th episode, welcome back. It's exciting to have you here as I get to welcome to the show Priscilla Tallman. Priscilla is a former All-American volleyball player from the University of Georgia. She played on the U.S. national team and is now coaching club level high school athletes volleyball and pouring into them the positive lessons of team sports, of athletics, and how they apply to life. She's got an undergrad degree in psychology and a master's in clinical psychology. Uh, She coaches CrossFit. She coaches volleyball. She does it all, and she's got an incredibly positive attitude. She shares a little bit of her story, but we dive into the importance of athletics, the importance of sports, and a lot of the conversation today around the things that she applies to her team of youth athletes is the same thing that can be applied to your team. Regardless of whether you're a gym owner and and you're looking to help find ways to motivate or build your staff, if you're an entrepreneur and, and you're really working with your startup, what are some ways you can motivate and build your team, psychologically supporting them, Encouraging them, but really creating the team atmosphere that's necessary to win. And perhaps you're in corporate America. You've got a job. You manage a small team. You manage the entire company. The lessons from today's episode are going to be incredibly valuable for you, and things that you can take it away and immediately start applying to unify your team for the common goal of winning and reaching the goal your company is set for 2018. There's no better day than today. To start building that team uni- unity and continuing to pursue excellence while trying to be better than yesterday. So, without further ado, I am excited to welcome to this week's episode, Priscilla Tallman. Priscilla, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thank you. I, uh, I say night, even though the show usually releases at, at five in the morning, uh, up when the crazy people like myself are, are up trying to squeeze in a few hours of, of training. Before we dive into talking about coaching and mindset and the importance of really athletics and sports and life, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, what you do for a living, and then we'll dive in.
1: All right. So My name is Priscilla Tallman. And I live in Phoenix, Arizona, by way of Southern California, Orange County, by way of Austin, Texas, by way of Athens, Georgia. I've been, I've been around, so um, I currently coach uh, high school beach and indoor volleyball, and I have uh, been a writer in sort of the fitness arena for about, I guess, five years, having written for several volleyball outlets and some fitness outlets as well.
0: I love it. I love it. And so we got connected uh, at CrossFit Regionals 2016 when it was in Dallas, I think. Um, And so I've kind of stayed in touch ever since. And and I've been a fan of your work. I'm a fan of your writing as, as I like to say, a lifelong athlete and and someone loving sports, loving the importance of sports, because I, I know personally the impact it's made on my life and the things that I went through, even though I never played past high school, uh, due to a few things, I know that what I picked up and learned from my coaches there has been invaluable to different things throughout my life. And so, from your standpoint, you're coaching youth athletes, you're coaching volleyball. What drew you into the passion of coaching and, and really the profession of coaching?
1: Yeah, so I, I've been coaching again for the last two years, two seasons, actually. I actually started coaching right after I finished my playing career um, in my 20s. And after about, I'd say, three seasons of club volleyball, I removed myself from it. Um, I realized I had been coaching out of the habits that I had learned as a player And so therefore I was just basically um, regurgitating all of the philosophy and lessons and everything I learned from my coaches. And um, I I didn't like that. I didn't like that I didn't have my own way of doing it. I didn't like that I didn't, um, I wasn't a very positive person about it. So I took a long time off and um, just again, got married, had children and, and was really able to see through the scope of a parent, a coach and an athlete this whole kind of cycle of, of sports. And so I, once my kids were old enough, I decided to step back into coaching because I I really wanted to give back of the things that I had learned. And I had my own new coaching philosophy. I had my own way of doing things and and that felt a lot better.
0: (laughs) I'm curious on that fact, because you you said early on it was, it was other voices coming through you of of things you'd heard and, and wasn't always the most positive. And now It's a very different, it's your own voice. How did you go about kind of discovering that voice? Was it through writing? Was it through just getting back into coaching? And and how did you consciously make the decision to be more positive in that manner?
1: Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it was a lot of different things. Uh, I actually went back to school in 2003 to get my master's in clinical psychology. And my whole purpose there was to become a sports psychologist, which has always been my passion. Um, and through the process of that program, if, you, if you're if you getting a graduate degree in cl- clinical psychology, you are not getting the degree, you are becoming that degree. And so they don't let you off the hook. And you basically learn about yourself, you learn about your values, you learn about what's important, and you have to process that junk. So a lot of my blog writing came from kind of as a... a um, I guess, an offshoot of that process. And I just started early on writing that process of, you know, what was this athlete that I was? Um, what kind of coach do I want to be? And what do I want to pass on to, um, I guess, further generations of, of athletes? Because like you said in, in the beginning, it's sports really is such a great place to learn character and learn discipline and learn so many things that we can apply to life. So that was important to me.
0: What? On that same note, the the self-discovery process. And I heard you made a comment about going from athlete to coach to parent back to coach. There's a big struggle with a lot of individuals with the identity crisis when you leave the playing field. And I know I personally struggled with it because As an athlete, a lot of our identity we find wrapped up in who we are on the field, on the court. Um, And then obviously as a coach, you're still there, but you're transitioning away from it. Did you have a little bit of a struggle going not only to a coach position, but really stepping away completely from the game? of a little bit of your identity and, and trying to find that identity that maybe that process of, of getting your master's in the clinical psychology was able to help you find.
1: Um, yeah, and, uh, absolutely. I would say struggle is an understatement. <laughs> um, you know, when you begin a youth sport at nine and you play it, you know, through college, um, and a bit of professional, then it is an identity. And, um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think you can have something be your identity for a while because that's, that's sometimes what brings out the best in us. I think the trouble gets, um, happens when we begin to make it our value that we are only valued as this person. I'm only valued as an athlete. I'm only valued as a volleyball player, um, a football player, baseball player, but you know, it can be one of our identities and I think that's fine. It's when it becomes tied up into our self-worth and our value and, and who we are. Um, And yeah, there was a lot of unpacking for me to do as an athlete. I think there was a time that I I had injuries and I was hurt and I didn't get to the goals that I wanted to get to, Um, you know, as cool as it was to be at the top of what I did in college, that was a, that's a little bit of unworking to get to a place where you just are a regular person sitting in a cubicle, having a job, paying rent you know going about your business that's a definitely a big transition
0: so i'd love to dive into a little bit you being a coach working with athletes sports a lot of times is really in my opinion the basis for learning how to love the mundane and love the process of what you're becoming and then dealing with adversity i mean it's rare that you have perfection across the board even in you know teams that in college sports, that have run the table and and gone undefeated haven't had perfect seasons because there's been games or opportunities where they've struggled or an individual has struggled. How do you coach your athletes? One, I would say, to deal with adversity. In two two cents, I'm going to set it up. So the first sense: How do you deal with adversity when it feels like nothing is going your way? Um, And and you're perhaps it's either a losing streak or a person is just struggling getting in that rhythm. And then on the flip side of that, when, and I'll say this because I know you were watching the game the other day, when you have, you can almost taste victory. Like you, you've got a lead, you've got it. And then it's, it's taken away from you by the opponent, which is very defeating. How do you work with those athletes to deal with that adversity, knowing that, it happens on the court. It's absolutely going to happen in life in some form or another. And do you approach both of those types of adversity similarly? Or do you have a different approach for just can't get in a rhythm, constantly seem to struggle versus feeling like you've already won until you have it?
1: Yeah. So, so I've, I've been coaching back again for two years. So I'm going to answer this like I've been coaching for a long time and I know what I'm talking about. Come because on. This is only theory. Yeah, this is my theory at this point and what I what I hope to do. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is helping athletes understand that it is really uh, a collection of mistakes that is going to make us successful and that it's easy to look at the end result or it's easy to look at the score and think that's that's what we're, you know, what we're dealing with or, oh, my gosh, we're down by 10 points or we're never going to come back or I just missed my last server. That pass was terrible. All of those things that we do in our, our mental kind of like talk. Um, what I hope to do is to help them change some of that, that self-talk I think is, is really important. It comes back from my psychology roots of, of really being careful what we say to ourselves. Um, also, I think a big part is rebounding quickly after mistakes. So not sitting in that mistake for too long. You know, I'm really big on slapping hands. You know, go touch one of your teammates, make eye contact, um, connect with somebody on the court. I think, and you connect with somebody, you look in somebody's eyes, and you say, "Hey, we got this." Then, then a lot of that can change. So um, psych- then, psychologically,
0: next- can I ask you that? Psychologically, is that a similar format to what you would see say in basketball? Guys shoot a free throw. They immediately touch teammates, usually give them a high five, pat them. Is it that same process to acknowledge the other guys on the court from a psychological standpoint for a boost or just curious from the science aspect that you might have studied?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple things. I think that when we know we're not alone, it's huge. When you, when you make two, three mistakes in a row, it's easy just to go into that place of like, oh my gosh, I'm making these mistakes. I have affected my team. I can. I have to dig myself out of this. If you go and touch somebody's hands, um, you know that is a physical connection. I would say, yeah. Um, the science, I'm not not entirely sure of, but I think the whole uh, idea of being in it together, being on a team, we're not going to win as one person, and we're not going to lose as one person. We're all going to do this together. Um, and the eye contact, I think, is the same thing. You just have to physically pick your head up to look at somebody else. And that is a very, um, I'd say that's just a powerful thing to do is is pick your head up. I actually went skydiving, not skydiving, but um, I fly. Yeah. Have you heard of I fly? Uh So I did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did that. And I was, I was fully prepared to be the person who went in that little wind tunnel and be the one flopping around that couldn't control my limbs and um, was had so much anxiety when I went in there. But the, the guy said, you have to breathe and you have to keep your head up. So all I focus on my breathing and then the physical act of picking my head up kept me stabilized. I could look him in the eye. I could look my instructor in the eye. I could see all his hand signals. And just looking at him changed everything. I wasn't looking at the giant fan under me. <laughs> I wasn't looking at like my family out in the in the the real world, you know? So I think some of these things are just, whether they're science-based or not, I think it's the physical act of the touching and the looking up are, are powerful.
0: That's awesome. And, and so that's what I've always found fascinating. I've always been a fan of team sports because of the aspect of the relationship as well as the learning to succeed despite each other's mistakes. Um, Because that that's life. I mean, each each person is on a team. No one is an island, whether that's a family unit uh, from a relational standpoint or even from a, a career standpoint. In corporate America, as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, you have other people you have to work with, and no one is going to be 100% perfect every time. And so you, you've you got to be focused on that goal, the team goal of winning, winning the district, winning the cha- state championship, national championship, And then being able to rely on each other's strengths and be able to pick up each other's um, mistakes when they happen, because they will happen. What are some things you love to do with your team in terms of building that camaraderie and that uh, just unity uh, within your unit?
1: Well, that's the stuff I totally eat up. I, I, I always say that in my family, my husband's a better actual coach of the game and the skills and that kind of stuff. Um, but these girls know so much volleyball that I love being able to just be in my element and teach them some of the character stuff. I, I love it. So I do a lot of object lessons. I'll bring those to the, um, to the gym. I have a head coach who supports that. We have this thing called, um, uh, I called it mindset Monday, but it was actually some cu- um, curriculum we had from the district on character. And I just kind of made it my own and bringing that kind of stuff. That's not only going to teach them and um, applicable things to do within the sport, within their team, on the court. But it's going to teach them how to be better um, friends to the people they are in their lives, be better um, spouses someday, be better employers, um, employees, all of those things. And I really think that as athletes, we bring and teaching them how to do that outside the court. So like a, an example is um, this past season for indoor, I had the step team. I gave them like eight to 10 minutes to teach them like a quick routine to our volleyball girls. So completely out of their comfort zone, volleyball people, maybe, I don't know how many of them are actually dancers, but they had the step team teach them a routine and then they had to come in and then perform it for us. Um, you know, after the, after they learned it. And it, it was whether or not they did it well or not, the fact that they stepped out of their comfort zones that they were able to learn from other peers and then, do something. They had, they had a blast. It was, it was really fun to see that stuff.
0: I, I liked that because I think that's very applicable for anyone listening from a leadership standpoint of finding activities to unify your team and your organizations of, of getting them into something fun, but perhaps out of their comfort zone, uh, as well as finding those character opportunities. Uh, you know, one of the recent conversations I had is around the idea of five dysfunctions of a team. And that applies both sports team and, and, and actual corporate team because it's the idea of you know lack of trust um a fear of of um I'm going to blank on what the other ones are there's but there's a handful about that apply in sports because if you look at a sports team that's falling apart and pointing fingers at each other They're missing some of the same ingredients that you have in a lot of companies and a a lot of other organizations, gyms, teams that are struggling with those same things because you're missing the key components of the team element. So in your day-to-day life outside of the team, because sports is a huge piece of life, but it's obviously not all of life, what do you find most satisfying about your job in terms of coaching them on life? Or just that break of not everything in life occurs on the volleyball court. Because we laughed before the show about playing multiple sports and getting involved. And you're like, I love them on the court every day, all day. But you obviously, knowing you and knowing how you write, there's life beyond the court. and, And obviously, you're preparing a lot of these individuals for... A long life outside of the sport that that may play in college, that may not play after college, um, or even to college. What do you find most enjoyable about about setting them up for the rest of their life?
1: Okay, so I a lot I there. still like to win a
0: hundred percent. So that so
1: so I have to I have to step out of that box. But I mean I. I the, the the beautiful thing is that the the kids I've I've been able to coach are just natural competitors. I mean that's the beautiful thing. I I came in last year and I was like, this is unbelievable. These kids, you know, they they work hard, they show up, and I think that's the fun part for me because I can actually do more with kids who show up who want to compete versus starting that process fresh. So I get the luxury of kind of like, yeah, I like to win. And the good news is so do they. So that's awesome. So I can set that aside. Um, But yeah, I I think um, still that I think the fact that I struggled so much with my own process coming off of being an athlete has become a passion of mine to help them become more than just a volleyball player. I think that has helped me really put some things in perspective and say, hey, what would I want to pass on? I'd want to pass on that. Here's some life skills for when it's over. Here's some life skills for right now. Um, here's some life skills to deal with what it looks like when you kind of are at the top and when you win and what that feels like when you lose. Um, I think a lot of, of what we do in life when we have a passion is we try to return on the things that we maybe struggle with ourselves. And we try to make that next, uh, group of people better because of it.
0: I love that. And and so the last question I want to ask you, knowing that you deal with youth athletics and I know how it's very applicable to adults is, how do you deal with the outside distractions of athletes at that age? The, the drama, the, the you know, going on in class, what's going on away from the court that can easily distract those athletes despite the competitive side and wanting to win. What are some tips or, or how do you try to keep them focused on the court during that time?
1: Um, I think you really have to take it, um, as the two hours you get with them. I mean, you have to instill what you can instill with the time you have. So, you know, I'm an off campus coach, so I don't necessarily see them at school. I don't teach math or anything like that. Um, but, but I really, when I, I come to campus and I come to practice, I am hundred percent theirs for two hours. And thankfully I have a husband who helps me and watches the kids and supports me so that I can focus on them for those two hours. But I, I think that's really, that's really what you have. Um, I can't worry about what they're doing outside of it. In fact, I I typically don't follow any of them on social media. I don't, I don't really want to know. Um, I mean, if they're in big trouble, I'm going to find out. Uh, but you know, I think, I think truly, I am very lucky to have a good group of kids and, I just, I just have to pour into them the two hours I get with them and do what I can with it, with volleyball, with, you know, life application, any of that stuff. Um, they're distracted. They have a a million things in their life. Um, and so I feel like if I can just be there with them, give them everything I can for two hours, support them, make myself a resource, have fun, goof off a little bit, play Mariah Carey Pandora, then, then, you know, hopefully they'll take something away from that.
0: I love that. So what on your writing side, I'm curious what you have in store for 2018.
1: Oh, I knew you were gonna ask that. So, so okay. So, when I started coaching, I, I had to make a decision. And so I, I, I tried really hard to balance all of it at the same time. I, last year, I wrote up a, a handful of people. I got to interview Marcus Philly, who was a fantastic interview. Um, April Ross, who is a total stud beach volleyball player, um, to Neil Reed. She's, um, also a CrossFit athlete. And I absolutely love, love, love interviewing people and writing them up. It is seriously, I love it. Um, the outlet of my own personal blog is also something I feel like I didn't get a chance to do. And I, I feel like I suffer when I don't write for my blog. I feel like I have a harder time processing things when I'm not writing. Um, so hopefully this year, I'll have more chance to do that. The, the one thing I am very careful with right now is not to, um, not to put my, my kids, my, my children, my team, my high school, anybody I'm with in a position to where it compromises anything. And I am very opinionated. And so I am, I'm intentionally staying back from some of the more personal things, um, so that the my teams get everything from me that's that's me and, and they don't have to guess like oh is that about me is it, was that about my mom was that about my my old high school coach like, who is that about like what is that I don't want anyone to have to guess um and so I, I'm trying to keep a lot of that clear for now. So
0: Okay. Very understanding. Does that make any sense? It does. It does. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna encourage you to get creative uh on your writing so that you're continuing to write. Uh, because I think it's needed for not only youth athletes, but other coaches, uh, from a learning perspective and, and even non-coaches to see how it can apply perhaps in a more gym setting business setting. How can they apply some of this stuff to their team? All right, Priscilla, if people want to get connected with you, if they want to follow your outspoken voice on social media or read some of your writing, where is the best place for them to go?
1: Um, okay so I still have a very old school uh, blog address it's p y tallman dot and my social media my Twitter and my instagram are at py tallman um, and that's it Awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm very particular about my Instagram, <laughs> so I don't accept everybody, but uh, Twitter's wide open.
0: Twitter's wide open. All right. We will link to that in the show notes. Priscilla, thank you incredibly for joining the show tonight.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and I hope to be able to uh, connect or see you again some sometime in, on the CrossFit circuit.
0: <laughs> That's it for another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. I, I appreciate you as a listener. I appreciate each member of the compete community. And I'm glad that you tuned in this week and hopefully you found some value in what we shared and who we brought on and just the, all the types of content we're out sharing. So if you got feedback, like I said, shoot us a note directly to podcast at competeeveryday.com. Connect with us on social media. Say hi. Tell us you found the podcast We love connecting with new members of the community. We want to welcome you. Uh, We want to find ways to connect you and equip you with ways that you can be better than yesterday. Have a great week.